From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome Herbs and Spices. It's episode 44 of Free and Inspired Radio. A little late this week, I apologize. We are back with yet another guide on unlocking your digestive and mental health conditions. In this episode, we're looking at the top three steps to take when your IBS is getting out of control. A big one for a lot of people, right? And I'm going to just break all of that down for you in this show. IBS can take over your day and hijack your mind in such a short time. I recently did a radio spot on RTHK, the national radio here in Hong Kong, and we introduced how IBS can affect people in a most basic way. And to explain the context of how IBS affects people, I asked the following question. Can you imagine feeling progressively more unwell with every meal you eat every day for months or years? It seems like an exaggerated question, but to be to put it in context, for people living with IBS, three meals a day over 365 days over a year can equal over 900 independent episodes that can worsen their gut issues. Now, this seems a little hyperbolic, but I've had many patients over the years who have experienced worsening IBS symptoms with every meal, so it's not too far outside of the realm's reality. Some people have been dealing with IBS for over a decade. That's a long time and a lot of independent episodes of feeling unwell, right? Whilst there isn't a raft of information about the prevalence of IBS in Hong Kong, one survey from 2002 had around 6% of the population affected. So calculated out just over 450,000 people based on the city's current population in 2022 may be living with IBS and gut issues. That's a lot of people. This number could be could double depending on the age group. For example, with 12 over for example, 12% of Chinese university students found to have IBS uh, based on the Rome 3 criteria, and that was a study done a little while ago because we're now in the Rome 4. Globally, this number is similar. The 2020 study brought together 53 studies done in 38 countries with just under 400,000 participants, placing the global prevalence of IBS at just under 10% of the world's population. Let's calculate that out again an estimated 798 million people are living with some form of IBS globally. So this is no joke. 
how do you know that you're experiencing or what you're experiencing is irritable bowel syndrome? Well, in identifying IBS is in its fourth iteration, I just mentioned it before, called the Rome 4 Rome 4 criteria. This criterion helps to bring together the various ways IBS can present. And one of the main features of IBS is something called visceral abdominal pain. Now, if you're wondering if this is you, the best way to define this is discomfort where you can't quite pinpoint the location. So it just feels like it's kind of all over your abdomen, which is not very comfortable. I've had some patients mention that it just feels like it's everywhere. Now, the other defining feature for most people I see with IBS is dysfunctional or altered bowel habits. Altered bowel habits can mean you either lean towards loose or challenging bowels or in some cases diarrhea or constipation or both. Some people can experience definitely a mixture of these and they can both be as extreme as the other. So depending on your bowel habits, IBS subtypes exist to help with a more specific diagnosis. For example, if your bowel patterns are more diarrhea dominant, then you have IBSD, constipation dominant, IBSC, or mixed IBSM. Kind of makes sense. Aside from these main symptoms, bloating, feeling full or distended, change in pain location or constant changing in the pain locations we touched on earlier and symptoms worsening from eating or food are widespread. No matter how you experience your IBS symptoms, if they are out of control, this is what we're going to talk about. The first step is to try what 70% of people with IBS don't do or don't try. And it's the simplest thing. Get this. The first thing to do when your IBS is out of control is to ask a professional healthcare practitioner for help. This is very similar to mental health conditions as well. Estimates from one study suggest that only 30% of people who experience IBS symptoms seek any type of medical help, whether that's within natural medicine or modern medicine. This same study went on to suggest that even though the symptom picture between the people who do and don't seek help are similar, those who don't have more uh, those who don't seek help have more significant anxiety and lower quality of life. An interesting study deconstructed a survey conducted by the American Gastroenterological Association or the AGA of over 3,000 people with IBS and their satisfaction with different forms of treatment when they're trying to do it on their own. Now, the results were very similar to what I see in the clinic. 77% of those surveys reported that they have tried over-the-counter treatments for their IBS symptoms, i.e. they're trying to take control for themselves, which, hey, this is what we're all about on this show, so nothing bad there. But listen to this. The product varied depending on the subtype of IBS, so either IBSD or IBSC, but less than 20% of the IBSD group and 15% of respondents in the IBSC group said that they were satisfied with their over-the-counter choice. So we're definitely looking at between 15 to 20% of people are actually having success using over-the-counter uh, solutions for their IBS, basically without the help of someone who might be able to direct them in a better direction or a more effective direction. So have you been in this position? I guess this is one of the one of the questions I'd love for you to answer in the comments if you have any of these experiences. One of my recent patients mentioned that she tried every possible option on iHerb before we before she booked her first appointment. We kind of joked that she had an iHerb degree. At least the good news for her is that it took her four weeks for her symptoms to turn around after initiating the next step. 
So once you've asked your healthcare practitioner to help, you can also ask your health care practitioner to help you choose the proper functional medicine test to investigate the origin of your IBS symptoms. Often IBS can feel like it's coming from so many places that its origins can be hard to pin down. One minute you're bloated, the next minute it's uh, your bowels are urgent or unsatisfactory. Finally, you have a sensation of pain and discomfort that doesn't have an easy to pinpoint location. A famous natural and functional medicine adage is to test, don't guess. I think we've mentioned that on this show before and you've probably heard it numerous times. In the case of out-of-control IBS, there are two testing options, and we'll go through them now. A, com- a comprehensive stool test, such as the one, the three that I use in different ways, a GI map, GI360, or the Genova GI effects test, look at the lower abdomen, and specifically the large intestine, bowel, and colon. These tests can give us uh, different insights into some of the deeper origins of gut issues like IBS. For example, we can see certain species of bacteria that drive imbalances in the microbiome associated with leaky gut, for example, and other immune system markers, which are very important. Another key indicator that all stool tests cover helps people determine why food worsens their IBS symptoms. So this might be you. One of the first articles on this website explored what I call function over food. And whilst you can read it in your own time, um, the how it relates to the stool testing is that we can determine how you absorb your protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And uh, for those who are wondering which episode that is on the podcast, you are looking at episode two of Free and Inspired Radio, I think, and it's called, of course, Function Over Food, but you can also read the article on philipwatkins.health and that you'll see all the references there as well. So all of these things, all of these indicators from your comprehensive stool exam are vital gateways to developing IBS symptoms or at least trying to explain um you know how they happen also you can uh, explain how small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO can occur now i've i've done another episode of free and inspired radio about the connection between ibs and SIBO i'm going to take a guess and say it's episode four or five um, if you're one of the many people who develop bloating that feels worse around the belly button, then SIBO might be a factor to consider. If you're new to small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO, its definition is an excessive presence of clonic bacteria in the small intestine. While some bacteria are present in the small intestine, these levels should not increase over a certain point. If they do, then this can generally cause symptoms such as bloating and flatulence. Estimates vary when it comes to SIBO's prevalence in IBS. Some studies have it up to 70% of people with IBS having SIBO. A more recent meta-analysis bringing together over 3,000 people living with IBS found SIBO in 30% of cases. I would say that in a clinic I see slightly higher numbers than 30%, but the severity of the SIBO varies widely. And its response to treatment also varies widely as well. So between 30 and 70% is a pretty broad range. But as I said, the severity is also important too. The good news is that you can find you can use a breath test to see if you have SIBO and find out if this is the cause of your out-of-control IBS. A lactulose breath test investigates small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO for bloating around the belly button. When bacteria overgrow in the small intestine, depending on the species, Different gases can increase in volume because of their presence. 
when you drink a lactulose or glucose syrup, the production of these gases, predominantly hydrogen, methane, or hydrogen sulfide, can increase significantly. By exhaling into a tube at various time intervals after having this, these uh, uh, sugar syrups over three hours, we can then track the increases in these gases as the lactulose or glucose syrup travels through the small intestine to the large intestine. If the gas levels in your breath samples increase beyond a particular amount above the baseline, then SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is considered to be present. Some SIBO can be hydrogen dominant, methane dominant, hydrogen sulfide dominant, or a combination of the three. Depending on these subtypes, your practitioner can formulate a combination of a dietary and herbal medicine intervention to help you clear the overgrowth and begin controlling your IBS symptoms. Wow, two steps there. So maybe it's time to get some help. That's the first step. And second step, maybe the person that you ask for help might be able to help you get some clarity on where your symptoms are coming from or the origins of them. Third step is the connection between the diet and your IBS symptoms. And that may be the next step in taming your gut issues. Let's take a break on, on Free and Inspired Radio. We'll be back to explore more of that shortly. Stay tuned. to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more Free and Inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, welcome back to episode 44 of Free and Inspired Radio. Thanks for hanging around. In this episode, we're looking at my top three steps to gain power over your out-of-control IBS symptoms. We've already found out that getting help isn't as common as you may think, and we've also had a look at how testing can help. But what about dietary change? Step three, dietary change can seem attractive for people with IBS who feel like food is the problem. But what changes do you make? That's the big question, right? Most begin the process by restricting animal products, but unfortunately don't see the results for which they hoped. This lack of results doesn't mean diet can't be the key. This key lies within the removal of foods high in what's called dietary FODMAPs. FODMAP stands for fermentable, oligo, dye, and monosaccharides and polyols. An easy way to think of these is as simple carbohydrates that occur in a wide variety of foods. FODMAPs are in fruits and vegetables, grains and cereals, nuts, legumes, dairy and manufactured and processed foods as high fructose corn syrup. Because of the wide variety of foods and the different levels of FODMAPs in each, it's often better to use a guide to help. And in the show notes, especially if you're listening to this on YouTube or you can go and check this out on my website, I've actually got a link to the Monash University um, FODMAP guide and they're the leader in FODMAP uh, restrictions and how it relates back to IBS. So if you want to check that out, if you're listening to this on YouTube, check that out in the comments there. I'll put that as easy to see as I can and you can also see that in the show notes as well on philipwatkins.health. A review of our FODMAPs published in 2020 showed that overall 50 to 85% of people report significant improvement in their IBS symptoms with the elimination of dietary FODMAPs. That's pretty good. 
If it helps from more of a clinical point of view, I see the removal of FODMAPs show more success in people who have diarrhea-dominant IBS or IBSD. Still, in combination with removing starches in the SIBO biphasic diet, those with IBS-C or constipation-dominant IBS have also found relief. So hopefully you can help a lot of people. There is an important note, though, if you haven't tried to remove FODMAPs from your diet before. As with other prescriptive diets, any dietary change done in the context of therapy should have a start and an end date. Removing foods high in FODMAPs for longer than four to six weeks maximum can actually really hurt your microbiome, vitamin, mineral, and fiber status. So they're all key markers to help actually help your digestion, right? Furthermore, slowly reintroducing FODMAP foods can foods can assist in restoring important probiotic and prebiotic bacteria into the gut, allowing for a better, more effective outcome. Which sounds kind of cool. The reason why this is so important and talking about reintroducing things, for a large number of people who feel better, reintroducing FODMAPs can be a daunting daunting experience, especially if you're removing these foods has ended years of feeling unwell. Still, I'm here to tell you that it's not only necessary, but part of the journey towards gaining power over your out-of-control IBS. So what do you think? Maybe you've already tried these steps, you've already sought some help, you've already got some testing done, but maybe you haven't done the diet. Uh, Maybe you've sought some help and haven't done the testing. But if you are one of, uh, you know, regardless of what you've tried and what you haven't, I hope this episode has offered a reassuring sense that you don't have to tolerate your IBS and gut issues, especially if you're one of the 70% living with IBS symptoms yet to reach out and ask for help. All I would say, be brave, step out, and you might find it opens a gateway to feeling better and breaking the seemingly never-ending daily pattern of IBS that we see so often. Before we finish this free and inspired radio episode, if you'd love to hear more from me, get the word on new articles, podcast episodes, and everything in between, go to the uh, website philipwatkins.health and join our community via the newsletter. You can get yourself a free ebook on probiotics in the brain if you go and hang out on the website for a little while. Your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify help me get the word on the street. Share if you feel the need to. If you know someone who has IBS but hasn't investigated, definitely try and share. There's a lot we can do. If you're listening to this on YouTube, throw the video a like. Thank you to all the people who have been listening on YouTube and subscribe to see when each new podcast is uploaded. In particular for this episode, because I've tried to introduce some basics on how to help IBS, I'd love for you, if you've had IBS, to maybe leave some comments on whether or not any of these steps have actually helped you or not and what you think of, of these steps. As always, I want to send shouts to the show listeners who get this far. The show is about helping you to find the freedom to feel inspired again. I hope this gets you one step closer. Until next week, where we're going to be looking at neuroinflammation. So once again, this week we're doing something for the gut. Next week we're doing something for the brain. And who knows, I think we're doing vitamin D in a couple of weeks. So there's lots of fun stuff coming up. But until next week... Don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio with myself, Philip Watkins. We'll be back soon. Bye. Oh my gosh, you made it to the end. 
This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.